0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Bloomberg Intelligence Test. Disrupt this podcast. My name is Anur Raghana, and I'm a technology analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg's in-house research arm. We're delighted to have the co-founder and CEO of iCertus, Sameer Bodas, as our guest today. We are hoping Sameer will give us some insights around product development and key growth initiatives that the company is undertaking. So without any delay, let's ask Sameer about a short history of himself and the company he
1: founded. Hi, Anurag. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Very excited to be here. My background well, I'm an engineer by training, another computer scientist by training, and an MBA following that. I spent the 90s, from 92 to 2000 at Microsoft. In various roles, I left Microsoft in late 1999 as the director of small and medium enterprises sales and marketing. Since then, I've been working at startups. I searched this as my fifth company since I left Microsoft. Two have had exits. They shut technologies and Aztec Soft. Two didn't go anywhere. So 50, 500 batting average in startups is not bad. And this is now my fifth startup so hopefully, I will improve my batting average with ICERT. So, so there you are, engineer, MBA, Microsoft, and then startup world.
0: So tell us a little bit about the company and how it started. What's the background and what made you choose this particular
1: segment of technology? I think the way we like to describe the history of ICERT is the string of serendipitous events that got us to where we are. The company was founded in 2009 by myself and my co-founder and our CTO, Nish Darda, And we had a few hypotheses when we founded found iSertis. We didn't have a product idea in mind. We we're looking for one. I just exited Ashtick after its acquisition by Mindtree. And Monish had exited Blade Logic after their acquisition by BMC. And to do the next startup, the hypothesis we had was any large software company is created by either creating a technology wave or riding a technology wave. Creating a technology wave is hard, it's for folks like Gates and Jobs and Musk and Zuckerberg, et cetera. So we quickly realized that to build a large software company, we have to ride a technology wave. And there are lots of technology waves going on at any one time. Even today, autonomous is a technology wave. Blockchain is a technology wave. you can go on and on. And in 2009, 10, 11, the various technology waves were from mobile commerce was a technology wave. And the social was just beginning, by the way. And the first serendipitous event for us was while we are looking for technology waves that I live in Seattle. And at that time, two of the four public cloud vendors are based in Seattle. And very lucky, right? I mean, it was Microsoft, with Azure, and at that time it was not called Azure, it used to be called Red Dog. what That was the code name for Azure at that time. And AWS, which was called EC2 and S4, other names. But we were very lucky that we said to have these two companies build and invest in the cloud, which was the big technology wave that we thought was be really substantial moving forward. And we said, hey, we would like to build a company in the cloud. That's where we started. Uh, you write that technology. and you have to write it, start your ride very early. You have a first mover advantage. And then you hope that that wave is massive because you'll have a very small sliver percentage-wise of the total wave if you're building a large company. So we decided to write that. And one thing led to the other. And we realized that for anything to be early, you have to be in a category that the cloud will disrupt. And cloud will disrupt it in a way that is substantial in a new way. And in uh, several conversations, we, we realized that ERP surround will probably be disrupted very early. And the reason ERP surrounds software sits at the edge of the enterprise. And anything at the edge of the enterprise, sort of the, the demand goes up and down on a daily basis a monthly, quarterly basis. So you need elasticity in for, for those kinds of software. And second, edge technology or edge software being at the edge of the enterprise sort of have already have security surfaces sort of exposed outside the company. So anyway, you're going to have others coming into the software, that be your partners or customers or suppliers. Because remember in 2010, 2011, there's a worry that, hey, how can you put your data in the cloud? And people were very reticent about that. So we said, hey, PRP sir, is an area and contract management is a year of PRP surround category because contract management software sits at the edge of the enterprise where your suppliers come into the software, your customers, even your prospective employees." And as luck would have it, because I was working at Microsoft in the nineties, Microsoft was looking for contract management software then. And we partnered with, partnered with them to build software that, that was flexible, that was configurable, et cetera. But what they said is, hey, if you build software that we need in contract management, we'll license it. The only requirement is that it needs to be in the Microsoft cloud. So that's how we really got started. Our first customer was Microsoft. We wanted to be on the cloud. We picked contract management. I think they are, we signed that contract in 2012 and we're off to the races. That's the beginning of the generation of the company. So,
0: I mean that's very impressive. I don't think anybody has explained the tectonic shifts in technology as clearly as you have. If I ever take a class, I'm going to certainly use this. But frankly speaking, one of the things it has intrigued me when I started looking at this space was, you know, how highly you're rated on the IDC platform. And frankly, to be very honest, without diving into it. Prior to that, I was not aware of uh, the work that your company is doing. So perhaps tell me a little bit that despite being around for so long, despite the, the area of contract management being around since the beginning of paperwork, why has it taken it so long for the business to mature or people to realize that they could do this, you know, off their premise and into a cloud platform?
1: Every entrepreneur went jumping into a category that exists, which sort of might be mature or might not be growing or the time may not be that big has to ask himself or herself why now and why why is now the time that can contract management that the category we picked is going to take off and what do you bring to the table that will make you the leader or you know that gain substantial share in that category and there are lots of things that have happened in the last seven seven to ten years that has taken contract management, which sort of was bookended by legal and was thought of as technology to, or category where you store your contracts or simple workflow, kind of document assembly workflow and storage kind of technology and sort of broken it open into an AI category. And I'll explain in a second. And the technologies that have transformed this are, are obviously the cloud and SaaS and cloud, because you can now deliver software around the world uh, without really having to indulge in that much CapEx. Everything is OpEx in the cloud. More importantly than that, the cloud lets you put data or domicile the data wherever the customer wants to domicile. Lots of customers in Europe are 30 plus percent of a business in Europe. And we domicile the contracting data there, of course, the we domicile it here and then, and then Asia Pacific and Singapore and, and India and other places, Australia and New Zealand. So the cloud has been a big transformative technology. And then, of course, NLP, natural language processing, because contracts are essentially words, right? English or, or whatever language. And natural language processing allows you to take this information that is on a piece of paper, if I may, and make it into structured data. Right, So you pull this data out of the contract, you make sense of the commercial terms, the legal terms, etc., and then you create structured data out of it, and then you apply ML and AI, which are the next two technologies that transform this category to not only make sense of it, but provide insight. Right. And all these technologies have blossomed in the last seven to 10 years and completely changed this category from being from people thinking about a contract as a static document to thinking of it like a strategic asset that can be mined, that can be used to drive your company's decisions, and more importantly, sort of make contracts a system of record, moving into a system of intelligence because you now apply AI to it so that you can drive. Uh, the engagement of the company with its suppliers, with its customers, with the employees, with its partners, etc. And that's the transformative change that has happened, which has gone from a category with a TAM about 300 million, according to Forrester in 2012, to 30 billion, according to MGI today. So massive change driven by technology. And obviously the suppliers like us, Uh, have been able to use that technology to deliver value to our customers that shows in our growth and sort of blossoming of the technology itself.
0: Sameer, before we get into the product and how it works, perhaps, you know, help me uh, learn a little bit more about just the functional area of ERP or the finance, uh, the entire division. Now, one of the things I have observed that when you look at functional areas such as customer service or HR, they were first to embrace cloud, and their c- cloud penetration right now is north of 70 percent, and largely because you know two different companies do those things pretty much in a very similar way. But when it comes to finance, you know every company is different, even companies with the same industry are different. So why the cloud penetration rate has been so low in this entire ERP framework, I cover SAP as well, and I have been surprised how resilient their on-premise model has been for so long, and work there, for example, is you. Know, trying to break into the cloud-based ERP market. And what is, in your opinion, the factor that has prevented cloud penetration rates to be fairly low in this entire area compared to some other functional
1: aspects? I can tell you about contact management. Companies, the, the penetration of contact management with an off-the-shelf product or some version of, of off-the-shelf product has been only 20% in the enterprise today. So with respect to on-prem, even on-prem software has been more SharePoint-based or some simple custom app-based, et cetera, in contract management. So for, for contract management to move from quote-unquote on-prem to the cloud was less of a left because the penetration and usage of the software was not that high in the first place, and People thought you know, Word is good enough, Outlook is good enough, SharePoint is good enough, some custom application is good enough. So in our particular case, since the since the penetration was low, there was no lift and shift for us. It was really, ne- technology never took hold in contract management. As I said, legal department bookended that process. People said, okay, you do the, get the, you, you throw your sort of, deal structure across the wall to legal the legal legal negotiates the contract uses whatever software they have executes the contracts and stores it and then some other system takes over your you know revenue management system your procure to pay system your hcm system and the contract never got taken and made into a structured asset so for us at least in our category we took something that was uh, we took something that was not really embraced, a category that not really embraced technology, and people start kind of leapfrogged into very little technology to cloud and AI and NLP, machine learning, et cetera, even blockchain. Uh, and then we can talk about that I'm sure in a second. So very different scenario for cloud ERP than other ERPs which are so entrenched or so much investment has gone into, so much the, uh, investment gone into on-prem that you have to do a big lift and shift. It just takes time, it all happen. I think it's a matter of time. But for contract management, very little on-prem and off to the cloud that. Got it, that's good. So let's dive into the
0: actual platform. So what, how do customers use the, the platform? What are some of the business outcomes and intelligence they uh, realize using the iSertis platform?
1: Yeah, and this is one category, Anurag, that is very fascinating because it helps customers not in one sort of value driver, but in four value drivers, four areas. We help customers with their driving their revenue and cash flow. That's one area, we help customers by reducing costs in their procurement. We help customers manage their risks, which are obviously Enshrined or, or embedded in the contract, and we help customers with their compliance. Because contracts also have to comply with regulation and, and internal policy. And I go quickly go through four examples in each each of those areas. So we have a customer that is one of the leading electronic retailers in the world, and this this retailer has about ten thousand rebates and incentive contracts with more than ten thousand OEM. OEMs are essentially vendors that sell products at this retailer. So, you know, Sony selling TVs would be an OEM or a Microsoft selling software or what have you, Dell selling laptop. So they have 10,000 rebates and in incentive contracts with 10,000 OEMs d- during the year. And there are rebates and settlements for 60,000 SKUs. Now think about it. All these contracts are done with the OEMs where the OEM says, hey, if retailer, if you sell this SKU or this set of SKUs at this price during this duration and an aggregate revenue is X, then I will pay you 1% of incentive. That's essentially what the structure of those contracts is. And historically, this whole business process of putting the contract together, as we call it, memorializing the contract with the OEM, and then executing that contract in their promotion system or rebate system internally, whether it's in the store or online, and then the settlement aspect of it. Did what happened in the real world actually match up to what the OEM requested the retailer to do? That settlement was also manual. And the place where they wanted to really, the two places they really wanted help in, one is digitize the the memorialization of the contract, and why that is important is that you can do it very quickly, but these promotions have to be kept put together in a very short duration. That's one. and then second thing is to reduce the DSO sales day sales outstanding once the promotion gets done, when can we raise how quickly can we raise the invoice uh, with the OEM? And we were able to not only of course shrink the time to hours in putting this contract together. But more importantly, we reduced their DSO from 71 days to seven days. Now imagine a retailer, you know, with very thin margins to be able to collect billions of dollars in seven days when it used to take them 71 days, massive value. And we did it through, obviously, our AI and the digitizing technology we have. So that's one on the revenue or cash flow side. Quickly going through on the procurement side, we helped a very large... Pharmaceutical company get aggregate all their procurement contracts around the world. And it's a very large company with you know, around 1,000 entities around the world, standardizing those contracts, making sure the discount terms get applied similarly across the world. They get enforced more importantly, matching up those discount terms of the contract with what's happening in the ERP system. Did the supplier actually use the right discounts, et cetera? And we were able to save them $75 million annually in their procurement by applying our technology and ensuring the discounts happen and the standardization of terms. And there's a very large auto manufacturer who we were able to help ensure managing risk. By making sure that their suppliers in their supply chain get onboarded or selected and onboarded quickly, we're able to reduce their onboarding time of suppliers by 90%. So imagine if it took you 100 days to onboard a supplier, it now takes you 10 days. And this pays back this risk. Mitigation pays back in spade when supply chain disruptions are there. As you have, you use X. But suppliers in, in this region, because of some destruction. now you have to use buy suppliers. You quickly offboard and onboard suppliers. And if it took you hundred days, that's risk, and we reduce that down to ten days. So risk management is another area. And finally, a global system integration and consulting firm. We help them manage all their MSCs and SOWs. About a million plus MSCs and SOWs they have, and we help them manage the obligations that they have in these contracts. Obligations related to certain SNAs, obligations related to certain security, posture for the data, data domicile drug testing of folks that are helping their client. And with our software, they were able to make sure that their obligations are, uh, they fully fully adhere to the commitments in the contract. And you know, there are ESG obligations also that this global system integrator has so we help make sure that you know with respect to their back-to-back contracting with diverse suppliers etc we help with that so revenue uh cost risk and compliance all four areas are are something that a contract management platform and we help our customers
0: samir is very well put i'm actually going to deep dive a little bit more into two of those areas that you mentioned and I just thought of them as you were speaking about it. That over the last two years, supply chain has been such a big, you know, issue for almost everybody that's out there. Especially as they're trying to figure out where the parts are coming from, what could be the, you know, other area where they can get it if one region is stuck with COVID or any other reason. Has that been a big driver for you, or or perhaps I should ask it if you were to rate the four after the four things you discussed, which one has been the biggest growth driver as you have seen, uh, you know, people shifting their contract management to the cloud?
1: I think it's transparency is the first one. And that applies across the board. Where what our customers say is we just need to be aware of what our commitments and our entitlements are. Or what are we committed to a counterpart and what are we entitled to? And that transparency itself sort of helps you be more agile and and mitigates risk. So I would say transparency is the biggest driver in contract management. Contracts, as you know, are never really digitized. Contracts never, never really became structured. And contracts never really got analyzed or the structured data connected to throughout systems to say, hey, where is their risk? Where is the there's a compliance issue? Where do we have suppliers where we, so the terms and conditions might be too sticky? Or customers that have termination for convenience, if something goes wrong. So transparency is the biggest thing. The supply chain disruption, definitely on the procurement side, people are saying, Hey, we need to have transparency there and we need to have agility there. So I'll give you an example. We have a PC manufacturer as our customer. And when COVID hit, they had to offboard 3,000 suppliers as they reconfigured their supply chain. And they couldn't have done it without ICI. And we're very proud to have them as a partner. When the Russian invasion happened of Ukraine, a lot of folks went to, came to us and went to the contact management platform, the ICI, and said, Hey, which suppliers will be affected in that region? in addition to on the customer and and supplier side, which customers are now sanctioned entities that weren't sanctioned before. And this transparency and ability to look into your contracts and make business decisions and take your contracts in a structured way, connect them to surround systems and keep looking around the corner uh, for all sorts of things related to the four areas we talked about, revenue, cost, compliance, and risk is invaluable in today's
0: world. Now, oh, it's excellent. I cannot, you know, I, I said speak enough to the rising importance of what you're doing. Perhaps the second topic would, just within those f- four factors that you mentioned, would be ESG. Ha- has that been a big driver? Because we have been hearing quite a bit of a lot of publicity around the world about ESG investing and the important, the rising importance of it. What's your take on it?
1: No, it, it, it absolutely yeah And I think ESG in several areas, one place where we are doing a lot of work with our customers is sustainable, right? Especially in multi-tier supply chains, where the company might have a policy with respect to how the supply chain should behave in the sustainability area, right? There might be even some laws on the books of the country that the company is domiciled in. And the one way to ensure... Sustainability in your multi-tier supply chain is that the contractual commitments that you know your tier four supplier makes to tier three and tier three to tier two up on up. It it those contracts have to, to you have to make sure that those contracts have those provision from a legal commitment point of view to to the OEM. And we have done several implementations, or our SI's have done several implementations with our customers where. Using blockchain technology, actually, they have made sure that a multi-tier supply chain has the sustainability contract, sustainability provisions in all the contracts in the supply chain. And then the next step is to make sure that they comply with it, that there's lots of technology in R&D right now, which will help these companies um, ensure that not only have the multi tier suppliers committed contractually to adhere to certain sustainability requirements, but actually doing it. So sustainability is a big thing. The whole thing, equity is another one. I think there are lots of California is a state, for example, that requires subcontracting or whatever procurement that you do, certain percentage of that, those contracts need to go to diverse suppliers. We actually have a diverse contract management application that sits on our platform to make sure that any uh, deals that you get from a state that requires back-to-back contracting to the average supplier, that back-to-back contracting actually happens with diverse suppliers. So equity, sustainability, and governance is pretty standard from a compliance perspective, as I gave you the example of the GSI. So ES- ESG has, I think, leading with sustainability is where we have seen contact management being used in a substantial way you just mentioned the word
0: blockchain and i've been hearing it for a very long time frankly and i still am wondering what's the best way to even look at companies that are utilizing this technology when you look at you know vendors and supply chain how far are we embedded right now are we just at a five percent penetration rate or 25 or 50. what's your take what like what's your best guesstimate because this is one area, if done properly, it can completely change the way people do trans- you know, any transactions.
1: I think it's in the bottom of the first innings, <laughs> to, <laughs> to use the baseball analogy. You know, blockchain started in crypto, but the technology is much more robust than something You know, just the very fact that they can write to the database and, and it cannot be changed, that data. And that data can be confidential or private. I think just that construct is extremely valuable, for example, in the in the sustainability of the multi-tier supply chain. So what, what you have to do is, these suppliers are willing to commit to these provisions, but don't want the, the third-tier supplier doesn't want the OEM to know who they're outsourcing to the fourth-tier. And using blockchain technology, we have been able to collect this data from the multi-tier supply chain, commit it to the blockchain, and make sure, and using our AI, look at the various provisions, getting a little bit geeky here, but look at those provisions, the cloud in the blockchain to make sure the provision actually exists. And the OEM doesn't need to know what the tiers are uh, in the way it's a patch. It's just the beginning. I think my gut is in the next five to seven years. AI plus blockchain is going to transform contract management even further. I think even in contract management, I would say we are in the third innings or what have you. Because right now, people are thinking about digital, uh, contract management more of a digitization. How do you take a business process mm-hmm. and digitize it? The mining of the data, which is where, are, which is where you know we are leaders and applying your analytics or, or AI, ML, etc., the mining of the contracting data you have to tease out efficiencies, to tease out risk is where we are starting. And then the connecting of this data with the surround systems to be able to then say, hey, is what is memorialized, memorialized in the contract really happened in the real world? And if it did, did it happen according to the terms and conditions or there's opportunity here? To save more money or make more money or or reduce risk and improve compliance so i would say with respect to blockchain bottom of the first. with respect to you know ai ml and contact management technologies being applied to customers i would say perhaps the third innings long way to go where customers you know the system of record as we call it the contract management system of record gets established in the enterprise and you know, the other four systems of record, the customer system of record, the supplier system of record, the employee system of record, and then the transaction system of record with the financial the erp all get connected where the contract management systems has, you know, all your retrospective current and prospective opportunities and risk and drive these systems forward is where we'll end up in the next five to 10 years. And that's the promise of contract management and the technology is there to do it.
0: Yeah, it's fair. I remember, I think four or five years ago at IBM's uh, analysts, they gave some really good data and uh, about the, you know, the use of their, uh, the blockchain and their own accounts, payable, receivable systems and all the benefits they were able to receive. I just am always surprised at why people don't embrace that technology that quickly. It's the ROI is so high. So, you know, when you look at the competitive landscape of CLM, you know, how much of it is greenfield versus displacing homegrown or legacy systems?
1: So according to analysts, the penetration of all the off-the-shelf contract management software in the enterprise is only 20%. 80% is is either Greenfield or it is some SharePoint technology or even, we're surprised, some of the best companies in the world, their contract management system in certain subsidiaries is the filing cabinet. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't yet. So I think it's a combination of replacing archaic implementations of custom apps, some version of some workflow document management product or Greenfield is is what the opportunity is. And and what has happened is because of SaaS, a lot of this decision making has moved from the legal department to procurement from the legal department to the CFO's office, from the legal department to sales ops and sales or HR. So decision-making for contract management systems has moved to the business. And when it goes to the business, it's all about value. It's all about taking technology off the shelf and implementing quickly within the purview of IT to make sure security and integration, et cetera, et cetera happen. So this has now become an enterprise-wide application or enterprise wide embrace of the system or the platform because the business is now driving the decision making in contract management then originally how legal is to do it legal is always at the table because contract is a legal construct so so you you have to get make sure that legal is comfortable and it is always at the table because we integrate so much with this around the four other systems of record but the decision making the budgets etc is driven by the business, the CFO's office, the procurement, the CPO's office, and the Chief Revenue Officer's office.
0: No, fair point. You know, and for somebody as novice as myself, who's brand new to this area, you know, from the outside, it looks like C- CLM would be a natural extension for an e-signature company. You know, why do you think they have not been more successful in penetration
1: of this space? So if so you could take a step back, CLM is a very vast area, Right. It starts, think about a chevron or a value chain, go furthest to the left. CLM starts with sort of ingestion of the deal term. You're buying something, you're selling something or employment contract, the terms are decided, and, and CLM takes over from there. Then you have to sort of memorialize the contract, negotiate the contract make sure that it goes through all the approval processes, compliance, risk management, et cetera. And when what's called the black line, the final black line, the contract is fully negotiated and ready to execute, that's where e-signature comes in. It's a very small sliver in the whole process. And then remember when, this, when the contract is signed, the contract is, some contracts are evergreen, but contracts are alive for the next three, five, 10 years. And the contract, that you know, contact management has to make sure that the contact actually performs. So that the left of e-signature, there's a lot of work happening. And the right of e-signature, probably more value the contact management system adds. It's a small sliver of value to process itself. And the signature companies have tried to go left in, in workflow, you know, contact management workflow, et cetera, including document assembly, putting the contact together, but signature itself, that technology is so different than the big aspect of contact end-to-end enterprise-wide contract management that it's all, almost a different category than signing a contract. And signing of a contract, obviously, has become more commodity. There are lots of, lots of vendors around the world that do it. DocuShare, obviously, is the big one. Adobe Sign is another one. But I think the way to think about contact management is a different category than the e-signature category. Almost, e-signature category is started early, but contact management kind of e-signature gets subsumed in the contact as a sliver of the substantial end, end process that contact management is.
0: I mean, when I look at, as I said, the IDC, you know, the market scape, you guys are number one. I, I see that. But I also see in major players, you have you know, the likes of SAP and Coupa, which are, you know the leaders in their own respective space when it comes to the markets that they operate in. And I would say that the, everything that touches contracts would be a natural extension of the workflow for the CFO's office in terms of the areas they all operate. So how do you compete with, you know, the giants like? The the bigger, much bigger uh, software companies that are out there that have far more, uh, you know, I would say, money than you.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and and that's a great question that that a smaller company like us has to answer convincingly to more to ourselves than anybody else. And the the difference is if you if you think about sort of the procurement software companies or revenue management software companies or HCM software companies, you know, human resources management or human capital management, they all use contracts right? And, and they attach the procurement contract to the procurement business process because that's what these procurement companies do or revenue management or HCM or even ERP. And the change that has happened is customers are saying contract management is an enterprise-wide process. It is not a procurement-only process that sits in this silo or or revenue or what have you on, on the HCM side think of contracts as an enterprise assets. So now the enterprise is a customer saying, please abstract away from procurement to, a, to enterprise level. Please abstract away from revenue management to enterprise level and give me an asset that is enterprise-wide. So that's one. And the second is once it becomes an enterprise-wise asset, each of these companies are sort of focused on their business process. Whether it is you know source to pay or uh, or procure to pay, whatever you want to call it, or or quote to cash, or you know getting an employee on board to retire, and contracting is a very small aspect of what they do. But when you aggregate contracting at the enterprise level, it is a substantial category, and and therefore many of these companies have to integrate with us. And I don't know if you if you guys we announced a partnership with SAP. It is a very strategic partnership, and we are very, very grateful and glad to have the partnership. SAP is, by the way, just I know you follow SAP. SAP is not your father's old mobile anymore. That company is on the move. <laughs> I know. I agree. So, so that company is on the move and transforming, and I I get to see it from inside out. I'm very impressed. And our partnership is where we are SAP's preferred contract management platform across all their products, right? So we integrate into Ariba, we integrate into HANA, we integrate into SuccessFactors, Flash, CX, which is their customer experience, slash DRM, CPQ product. And that is where this world is going, where we are able to connect to all their systems and whether it's a procurement contract and that gets connected to HANA did it perform, whether it's a revenue contract or or a you know services contract, how do you memorialize that and connect it to HANA and how did that perform? And many times the two sides are connected. So when you sell something, many times you have suppliers lined up to build whatever you have sold. You know, we have companies like in the aerospace business where they do business with with sovereigns or airlines, et cetera. And once they get that business, they have to line up the suppliers on the other side, and there's back-to-back contracting where procurement contracts are tied to revenue contracts. So the SAP partnership is a is is a is where this I believe contract management is going to go. Where we connect all this other systems that the that the company has, just like we're doing with SAP, and and we we make sure. That threading all these systems through the contract, which is a single asset that connects all this system is where the most value will be delivered to customers. So the way we think about it from a competition perspective, enterprise contract management is where the customer wants all the on the vendor or suppliers to go, whether it is procurement players or revenue players or ERP players, they, they'll have to, you know, Think about enterprise-wide contract management. At least at this time, we are the leaders, and we intend to be leaders into the future. I would love to partner with all these competitors, you'll call it, but more importantly, I think partners because customers think of all of us have to work together to deliver value to them.
0: No, it's a fair point, and you know I concur with you. I've followed SAP for a very long time, and I'm really excited to see what Christian's been doing in the last couple of years. So let me ask our. A final question to you. Now, in terms of you're clearly the leader. Now, what do you think is going to be the next leg of growth for the company that will help it continue to scale? And what other use cases or sectors do you see the
1: team focusing on in the coming years? So taking a step back, I think what the drivers of our growth will not only be customer demand, which is substantial, but also our partnership. Our partnership with Microsoft and our partnership with SAP, very foundational partnership for us. And for Microsoft and SAP, I think will be substantial drivers of growth. Growth for us, larger companies have a big customer base, and we are their preferred contact management partners. That's one. The second set of partnerships that we are very proud of are with our global system integrators. We we have four of the five U.S.-based GSIs our partners, and many of the non-U.S.-based GSIs our partners, and Why we are very excited about those partnerships is because vertical-wise, understanding the customer-wise, the global system integrators are in in digital transformation with with their clients, as they call them. And with our technology, they're able to deliver value that they hadn't thought of, which is contracting digital transformation connecting the contract, the fifth system of record to other systems of record to deliver even more value and verticalized, right? Contract management, uh, just to use an example in Boeing, is very different than Microsoft. Is very different than Daimler or for that matter, BSF, et cetera. And all these are our customers, right? So the verticalization, and and we have verticalized application, we have verticalized versions of our product. But taking those verticalized products and and applying them to customer specific needs, our GSI partners are going to be very valuable to us. So taking a step back, where the growth will come. I think the platform obviously digitizes the business process, which is we call the memorialization of the contract, T- taking the drafting, the contract, the approval workflow, negotiation insights that our AI provides, the execution, and then pushing the data, which is now structured in our platform, into the various execution systems like the purchase order system or the invoicing system. I think the big growth from a from a category perspective will come is how can contract intelligence help us make sure help the, the enterprise or our customers make sure that the intent of the contract is fully realized in the real world what my suppliers committed to give me whether it is pricing whether it is quality whether it is sla whether it is delivery timing etc did i get everything that i'm entitled to from my customers? Did they buy the volumes that they committed to, or a bunch of other things related to cross selling and upselling? I think this intent of the contract being fully realized is where we believe the contract management platform, which has been of every relationship, connecting it with the surround system and fulfilling that intent is, is where I think the biggest, biggest opportunity is. As you, a very simple example, when a CFO gets an invoice that a supplier has done something and and the supplier could be, it could be a service, it could be a, a full product, it could be a part. And when the CFO gets that, that invoice, how do they really know that the supplier did what they did and the pricing is correct and the payment terms that in, in the invoice is correct, all that will only happen if you go back to the contract, say, hey, what did the contract say? If you go back to the execution operating system and say, hey, did we actually get it? And then match it to the invoice. It's same thing, you know, raising an invoice. Hey, raising an invoice has to go back to the contract and say, hey, what invoice are we supposed to raise against the customer? And did we deliver what, what we are supposed to deliver and if we didn't, then what is the risk of that? This intent, making sure the intent of the contract is fully realized so that you get all your entitlements and you make sure uh, from customers and you make sure all the obligations that the suppliers have committed to those actually are fully fulfilled. That is where I think the, the substantial growth will be. And the GSIs are the ones who know what, how that application of intent is going to be fulfilled. So our partnerships, we are very looking forward to it, and and because because contact management, contact intelligence, the very horizontal category, verticalized by our partners, verticalized by our, our technology, you know, versions of our platform that that we've released for the various verticals. So that's that's where we see the category going.
0: No, that's excellent, Samir. Me. I mean, I must say that this has been one of the most you know, well-rounded discussion about a particular industry and a sub-industry that I've had in a very long time. So absolutely love this discussion. Look forward to having you again, let's say a
1: year from now and and see how things have changed. It would be my honor and pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you do ask, by the way, very open-ended, long-term sort of questions to think about the category and the company very differently. I really enjoyed it. But not, I think, or this podcast will have long legs. And I I look forward to listening to it a year from now before our next interview and say, wow, what we said actually happened. And let's talk about the future even more. No, excellent. I look forward to it. Thank you so much.